Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs, raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, thanks for joining me on another episode of the Familypreneur Podcast. Today's guest is a mother, a grandmother, and an ordained minister. Her passions are story, art, and helping people take their brand and expertise from the stage to the written page. In 2018, she founded a homeless art initiative called One Shoe Art, and she's the CEO of the Constant Creative LLC. I'm excited to dive into the world of ghostwriting with Dana Bickham. Hey, Dana. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. So I want to start... at the basics, right? Yeah. When I think of Ghostwriter, I remember our TV show from when I was a little kid. So <laughs> let's let's just talk about what a ghostwriter is. Um, yeah. I mean, it's what you are. It's what you do. So, so give me a brief rundown as to of what that entails. So a ghostwriter is someone who comes alongside you and helps you write your book or your content on your blog. Um, Funny story, I now think of my high school years as ghostwriting because I made a lot of money in high school writing other people's papers. Um, But now I have turned it into a business. And so if someone is looking for someone to create some form of content, uh, say it's for their blog or for, uh, you know, they want to send out several articles to be in shops and magazines, but they don't have time to write on a subject. When you partner with a ghostwriter, you give them all your information. You let them pick your brain. They uh, essentially become your student until they can recite and write about what you are an expert in. Um, one of the things that happens with ghostwriting is you can write anonymously as a ghostwriter, hence the word ghost. You don't know them. You don't see them. They just kind of are in the background. Um, And that happens a lot in this this field of work. People will hire me and say, "Uh, my name's going to be on the article. I just need you to write it. And so we enter into a contract for that. There's another kind of ghostwriting where you become a partner in the project. One of my favorite authors, Jeff Goins, he's written several of his own books. He has a group called Tribe Writers. He's really well known in the writer world. And he is partnering with uh, Grant Baldwin, who is known for being a speaker. And they are writing together a book on Grant's area of expertise, which is speaking. And so in his case, Jeff's name is going to go on that book as a ghostwriter uh, because he did the majority of the writing, but they worked on the project together. That's so interesting. I love that there's multiple ways that you can work together to really fit whatever your your needs are. And as parent entrepreneurs, I think especially, 
we're juggling a lot of a lot of things. Yes. So if writing isn't the the thing that comes easy to you, because I know for a lot of people it's not, then this might be a good way to outsource some of that writing. Yes, absolutely. I mean, just because you technically can do something doesn't mean that you have to be the one to do it or that you have time to do it. Um, you know, I believe very strongly that one of my passions is to help people tell their stories. Now, if that's their brand story, if that is their individual story, if that is their expert knowledge being shared with the world. So, you know, there are several different genres of writing. We, you know, don't all read romance novels and I'm probably not your girl to write one. Um, But, you know, if you want to write a memoir or if you want to write, uh, I'm a leader in an industry or I want to establish myself as a leader in the industry, then you would find a gross writer that specializes in that. And that's something that I like to do. I like to help brands and I like to help uh, ministries and I like to help people who have stories to tell that serve a large audience, not just so that they could get self-promotion, but so that they can help people. Because I, I honestly believe that it is super important that as creatives, as leaders, as thought leaders, as business people, as entrepreneurs, we are called in a very real way to make a difference in the world. And we best serve the world by serving our customers as best we can. And if that means that I'm helping you serve the world uh, as a thought leader and I can help you establish yourself as an expert and then you can go out in the world and help more people. I feel like as a business owner um, who I've worked with copywriters, but not really a ghostwriter. Can you define the difference maybe between a copywriter and a ghostwriter? Yeah. So a copywriter's job, which I do copywriting, that is one of the things my business, the constant creative offers. Um, it's my least favorite form of writing. Copy is writing to sell. And I can write to sell and you can buy. But if there isn't a product like a book that can really change your mindset or some kind of product that like helps you develop as a person, I find it really kind of almost vacuous and vapid. (laughs) But, you know, I, that's just my thing. Like, it makes me money. I can write copy all day, um, but copy is meant to sell. And, you know, good copy, you don't even realize you're being sold something. And I admire copywriters who who are so good at their job that that is the way when you read their emails, you're like, oh my gosh, they're in my brain. They know me. I aspire to be that good all the time. But it is more difficult for me to uh, write copy unless I really believe in the product. And so, sure. so ghostwriting, um, ghostwriting is writing content that is in your brand. But the most important thing is it's in your voice. One of the things that I do as a ghostwriter, and you have to talk to other ghostwriters to see what their process is. But for me, like say I was going to write a book for you, Meg. We would spend hours talking about your book idea. We would go over your outline, but I would really want to know what are your mannerisms? What are your favorite go-to phrases? What do you like to say over and over and over again? How do you sound when you talk to your kids? How do you sound when you talk to 
another professional? How do you sound when you're just talking to a girlfriend? And when I've gotten a lot of hours with you, and a lot of that is going to be around your book idea or your content idea, but when I've gotten a, a sense of your voice, now I can write like you. And I can partner with you and your audience is going to read this and go, oh yeah, this is totally met. Right. And that is one of the fun things about ghostwriting is that one, I get to know really amazing, great people who have really amazing, great ideas, but I also get to kind of pretend in while I'm writing that I am that person as a kid growing up, you know, doing, you know, acting in school and that kind of thing. It's just another form of acting, but I'm acting on the page. And do you find it's difficult to really step? I feel like stepping into somebody's personality is one thing, Mm -hmm. but then stepping into their knowledge. Mm -hmm. So like when we're writing a book and I'm just going to run with the book example, but when we're writing a book, we're going to tap into like our knowledge and experiences. Um, So how does that kind of translate? I feel like that's going to be another, I don't want to say an objection, but maybe like a speed bump. No, you're absolutely right, especially entrepreneurs who are used to handling the bigger, more difficult tasks all on their own. Like if I can't trust anybody else to do it because they don't know what I know. Um, So that's where the partnership comes in. I can only go as far as my knowledge base and then my knowledge base is coming from you. Now, there's going to be research that's going to happen that's going to be outside of our conversation time. You're going to, the books that have influenced you, the things that, have helped you form your professional opinions on your expertise. Things that stand out to you that you say over and over and over again. Those are going to be the first materials that I consume in my research time. I'm going to read some of the same books, the ones that, that you draw influence from. I'm going to read those. I'm going to internalize those. We're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about what you took away from those. And you know, we're going to create an outline. We're going to create, um, you know, every chapter, every uh, point within that chapter. And we're going to talk about the feel of the book, what your voice sounds like. And you're going to get, after the first draft is done, um, you get time with that draft. You look at it and you say, love this story, hate this one. Let's use this example here. There may be even sections where I'm going to say, hey, I need a paragraph or two of you talking about this in your own words. Or I don't have a story that would fit here, but I bet as an expert that's worked with X number of clients on this one issue, you're going to have one or two stories that are applicable here. So we can either do a video conference where I record you telling me the story and then I write it or you can write it and I'll just copy and paste it in and make sure it flows with the rest of the book. It is a partnership, and I cannot overemphasize that enough. Um, you, if you are hiring a ghostwriter and they're like, "Oh yeah, just give me your notes and I'll write it up," beware because it's a no red one, flag. Yeah, it's a red flag. No one can get done well what you need uh, at the end of a book. So, for a typical business book. You know, you're looking at forty to fifty thousand words. That is a ten to fifteen chapter book that is has two to five sections inside of each chapter. And when you start breaking it down, 
into the nuances of, well, what's this section about? What do I think about this section? Just in conversation alone, over a few days, you know, you're going to have quite a bit of material for as a ghostwriter to write from you have an outline and just conversation with the expert. It takes going back and forth. Um, I'm currently working on a project for someone I have a confidentiality agreement with, so I cannot say their name, but it's a book on cross-generational leadership. And I find that the subject matter fascinating as a, a parent of a millennial and as a Gen Zer and being a Gen Xer, it, it's just very fascinating materials. But, you know, when, once I wrote the draft, the first draft, you know, this leader loved the material, but he saw so many different ways that we could add to the book. So now in the second draft, we're adding so much more content that I'm writing afresh. And at towards the end of us getting this manuscript together to give to his agent, we will then probably meet, I'll fly to him and we'll stay anywhere from three to five days working just on this book. I can see how that guidance is invaluable because the process, I feel like, of trying, of writing a book when that's not your forte, there's so many, so many steps and so many nuances that go into it. And I know, you know, I just know from my time in this entrepreneurial space that a lot of the respected entrepreneurs in the space who have written books have also utilized a ghostwriter in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I always thought that it would diminish the like the authority that the author would have because it wouldn't be all of their words. But I see that that's not the case for the people I know. And having hearing you breaking it down, it still seems like the influence is is very much very there. Yeah, because I don't know what to write until the expert or the influencer, the business entrepreneur brings me their ideas. They're the ones who have dreamed of this book. They're the ones that know exactly the message they want to say. Now, they may not know who they want to say it to, but their avatar often in uh, the book world is going to be their avatar in the entrepreneurial space. Uh, They're either using this to um, groom people to become clients or to enrich the people who are already their clients. So when we think of it that way, now this makes great business sense to create a book and establish myself as an expert. The process of writing a book is fairly straightforward. If you've ever written a research paper in college or high school, now you need to exponentially expand that because now you're going for 40, 50, 60,000 words uh, at the end. And you know your editor or your agent may trim that down to a much smaller book but it's going to be much more meaty by the time it's been edited if they have you know more to choose from. That's great. That's a great explanation and I really appreciate you breaking it all down. I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and your background and how you got started as a ghostwriter. The way I got started is a very strange circular route. I always loved writing. I kind of alluded to the fact that I liked it so much and I was so good at it in high school that I made quite a bit of money from some kids just paying me to make, to write their papers. Um, I don't recommend that uh, families <laughs> that have kids that are in business 
and their kids are listening, I'm sorry. It's just the truth of my story. I started off writing that way. I, I once had an eighth grade teacher tell me, oh, Dana, just be an actress. Don't be a writer. And it gutted me. And I thought I was great at writing in the eighth grade. I thought I was going to be, you know, so amazing, like some screenplay writer or, you know, something. Um, but in the ninth grade, I had a teacher, he held me after class and he slapped my paper down on the desk and he goes, I want to know who wrote this. And because I was a big, huge goof in person. Like if you talk to me in person, I was a clown. I wanted to make people laugh. I didn't seem very scholarly. And I said, well, I wrote that. And he, and he, <laughs> he said, okay. And he covered up part of it and said, tell me your opening line. And I told him the opening line of it. And he goes, where did you get that? And I said, I don't know. I just got to thinking about the premise of the paper and thought, you know, that's got to be a, you know, it was something on, on Romeo and Juliet. And, you know, love is universal and it's been around since the beginning of time. So, you know, throughout history was the first two words. Um, and, and he said, you know, I think you're a good writer. I think you could be a really great writer. And that encouraged me. Uh, it shocked the mess out of my parents who thought I you know, would never amount to much. And um, by the time I was in high school uh, or, or finishing up high school, you know, I had had several other teachers come to me and go, you know, you're getting really, really good at this. Uh, I think my junior year, I won an award at the local fair that my teacher uh, entered one of my papers in and I had no idea. So I was like, Yep. I'm a writer. One day I'm going to write the great American novel. Uh, Somebody had already done that, but you know, (laughs) then I got kicked out. I was homeless by the time I was 18. And I thought, you know, I'll never, ever amount to anything. My parents were right. Uh, I got married by the time I was 19, had two kids by the time I was 24 and hadn't even stepped foot in a college yet. So when uh, my kids were in school, I went back to school and started working on my education and still just did not know what I was going to do. I had so much, so many years of floundering. Um, I worked at the dollar store. I, I sold trailers for a while. I mean, I was a cab driver in Austin for a season. I have done everything, but it wasn't until about six or seven years ago, I just decided I was going to start writing. I started a blog. And I wrote about my personal spiritual journey every day for 365 days. And my friends were really nice to read it. Some of them even would share it on Facebook. And then I wrote a book and then I wrote another book and then I wrote two more books and they were, you know, just create space, Amazon kind of books, but I was doing things that I never thought I would ever do. And I hit a really hard season about, 2014, where my daughters were, uh, both of my kids were having some mental health issues. And we had a season where my kids were in and out of hospitals and life was really hard. And I gave up writing. I thought I would just walk away from it. And then two years ago, my husband lost his job and my girls are good now. I'm a grandma. My girls are on their own, on their own, but, um, and it being an empty nester is glorious. So all you family Panoras out there that are wondering if it will ever be amazing. Uh, it, I mean, it can be amazing with your kids, but it's awesome when you're all by yourself again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a couple of years ago, my husband was out of work and he, uh, we had enough in our savings to last about three or four months without me working, but 
you know, that we were both heavily invested in finding new jobs. And I have a lot of experience and I'm really good. I've learned a lot of things over the years, how to do a website, how to work with SEO. I mean, just because I was writing in the online space for so many years, I just accumulated this knowledge. And so I thought, okay, well, I can turn that into being somebody's web developer or being someone's social media strategist or, you know, someone's executive assistant or something, you know, like I applied, I think in three months, I sent out 200 resumes and I got exactly two calls. So I remember praying, God, if I could just make a living being creative, that would be amazing. And that day I decided, you know, I was going to call a friend who I used to write for and see if she knew of anybody who needed some writing. But she asked me a question, like, why wasn't I writing people's copy? And why wasn't I ghostwriting? And that question just kind of loomed in my head, in my heart. And I thought, well, why aren't I? You know, as soon as I asked myself that question, it was like, well, who would hire you? You have no formal training. You've just self-taught this stuff. But I had spent years in the online space writing for other people. and making connections with people and ghostwriting for people. So I went through and I changed up my LinkedIn and I kind of like was worried about hanging a shingle and saying that I was or wasn't something. So I had many different services I offered and I would pitch social media to my local lawyers and um, real estate agents that were really bad at social media and like pitch that to them. And then I would pitch writing services to people I knew who were blowing up in other areas, but their blogs were kind of like sad. Or I just offered all these different services. And it, w- it took me two years before I honed in on the fact that I am a really good writer. And people know me for being a, a writer. And, um, you know, just having a conversation with some of my writer friends who were like, you should be ghostwriting. And you know people who are agents, you know people who are doing this. So why don't you ask? So I did. And I landed a client right away and it just happened. I feel like there's two themes in there that we're all, that we are all likely very, very familiar with. And the first one is imposter syndrome, uh-huh. feeling like you don't have the authority or, or the knowledge or the expertise. And the, the second one is this belief in what constitutes experience, right? We're in a day and age where, like, yes, I'm not saying college is bad. You know, college is good, but college doesn't, it's not black or white. Right. You know, I didn't go to school for marketing either. Um, I went to school for criminal justice. I'm doing absolutely nothing with that, with that degree, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm a dang good marketer. So it's like, we, we have to reframe in our minds what constitutes education and experience. Absolutely. When I got to talking to a friend, actually, I was at at dinner with a couple of friends. And I was saying, you know, this whole thing, I just, I hung my shingle and said, I'm going to, I started a business. And it was just Dana Bickham, independent writer at first. In that business, I was doing a slew of things. I literally had the social media account for a local law firm. I was building websites. I was writing for a woman who has a ministry. yeah, out in California. And then I now I'm in Texas. And then I was also writing copy for um, a website that is what we call a congregate uh, website. They gather stories and feel good 
things from all over the place. Stories you've probably heard and seen on like Vox or uh, on Vox or on um, YouTube before. And they take that content, re-aggregate it, put a fresh story written from scratch, but with all the same relevant facts. So there's no plagiarism. And then rehash it to the public, which gave me a lot of practice. Some days I was writing 20,000 words a day because I was writing 4,500 word stories mm-hmm. for this place. And, and I mean, I, it was crash course. I realized I had the chops. I had taught myself all that I needed to teach myself. I had learned from, I'd taken courses over the past two, you know, decade and a half uh, on how to write. I, in this day and age, there's no excuse not to do what you want to do. You can go to YouTube, you can go to Google, you can go to the University of the Internet, and you can find experts who are willing to, t- to teach you. You have to be the one that decides that you're going to learn. And getting over that imposter syndrome just takes guts. You know, one of the things that my family and I did a few years ago, we made a family crest. And our uh, theme is Fidelis Eternus, and it means always faithful. And one of the symbols in our family crest is a lion, and it represents courage. And we are always faithful to be courageous. And we have to remind ourselves of that all the time. And I believe that when you're internalizing something, you have a duty to help other people internalize the same thing in your family unit. So, you know, it, it's not just okay for us to be growing. Everyone in our family should be growing. So that is one of the things that I really believe you have to be courageous. Even last night before this podcast, you know, I'm like, this is the first time I'm talking about ghostwriting in a professional capacity. I've been doing it now for two and a half years. But this is the first time I'm talking to somebody who has the platform you do. And there was a moment where I was nervous. Like, how am I going to pull this off? And I was telling my 24-year-old about that. And she goes, Mom, just you're talking to one person. Talk to Meg about what you do. Right. Just be you. And that's who I am. I, I am a ghostwriter. So overcoming imposter syndrome is a lot easier when you realize your experience of things are the accumulation of years of doing your thing is not, Oh, well, that's just something I do. That's something you do that no one else does. They don't have your years of experience. So I think that that's important to look at, look at when we're trying to over imposter syndrome and it's not a one and done. It isn't always there in the back of your mind. There's a little voice that's trying to cheat you out of your future and you've got to beat it up. For sure. Definitely. And it'll pop up and pop up and pop up again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I would love now if you would share what what is your best social media platform? Where are you the most often? Where can people connect with you? So I am on Instagram, which is Dana Bickham and Dana is spelled D-A-Y-N-A. As you can tell, as the date is long, I go on and on day. No, 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 no. So Dana and then Bickham is B-I-C-K-H-A-M. You can follow me there. My website is theconstantcreativellc.com. And you can find me on Facebook under The Constant Creative LLC as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I feel like you answered a lot of questions about ghostwriting. I think if people, like I said, if people had heard of it, 
it provided some clarity and some understanding on how hiring a ghostwriter will help with your time management, but also your productivity without taking away from your voice in the process. Yeah. I'm so glad we got to go through all of that. And if people, like I said, if they had heard about ghostwriting, they've got that clarity. And if they hadn't heard about it, now they've got an idea in their head, you know, maybe not for this year, maybe not for this month, but for down the road yeah. um, when the time is right to get that first book out there. Yes, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be as big a book as, you know, other experts. You can do a small little ebook that say 10, 15,000 words that you've put a lot of time and effort in that can be the premise for building later. And it's just starting you out where you're, where you are. I think it's extremely important not to say, oh, well, that's for Sunday future. But like, if you start, if you always give your, your best work away, um, in small doses, people are always hungry for more. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Meg. Thank you for having me. That's it for today's episode of the Familypreneur podcast. You will find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash podcast. Until next week, I'll see you over in the Familypreneur community. Bye for now. Goodness, Grandma's nice episode. Bye.